Hey, what's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to the Domesticated Dude podcast. I'm Logan, your host on this journey. Today, I'm talking with my friend Jersey. Jersey and I met in the journalism program at UAA. We had a lot of the same classes together. We both worked at the school newspaper, so we built a pretty good friendship right off the bat. Later on, we both worked at the same newspaper right out of college called the Peninsula Clarion. It was a daily newspaper that covered the Kenai Peninsula. And I was down there first, and then Jersey applied for a job down there and ended up getting it, so we ended up living together, which is really neat because we learned pretty early on that our dads actually lived together too in the Pandemonium house that my dad talked about a few episodes back. So, you know, that was pretty cool that that our dads live together and then we live together too. It was pretty neat. Jersey and I talk about how we both got into journalism, what it's like for him living in Portland right now, and what he's learning about himself during the pandemic, during this time of reflection for a lot of people. If you like what you hear on the podcast, share it with a friend, leave us a review, and make sure to subscribe so you can get the newest episodes immediately. Without further ado, here's my conversation with my friend Jersey. Hope you enjoy. Jersey man, how's it going? Pretty good. Long day at work, but it's over now, so better. Nice, nice. Long day at work. Are you still working from home right now? Yeah. So, uh, work is my dining room table where I'm sitting right now. How has that adjustment been going for you? It's fine. You know, there were there's been a number of jobs over the years where I was able to work from home if I needed to. Just paper hasn't been the same. They like you to come into the office, so the transition from working at home isn't that different. It's just like rolling out of bed and get going to the dining room table every day. That's a bit different, but um, it's fine. I've been having trouble focusing, but I think that's more a result of everything going on in the world rather than uh, working from home. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's just so much content out there right now that from every single direction, it feels like somebody said this, somebody said that somebody's doing this over here. It's in being in Portland. I'm sure it's escalated quite a bit with all the stuff that you guys have been going through over there. Right. And I get a lot of questions from people that don't live here. Like, are you okay? Is it a war zone? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. (laughs) I live uh, on 26th Avenue, which is 26 blocks east of the river that separates the east and west sides of the city. Uh, All the uh, protests are on the west side. And it may as well be another world over the river, you know, unless you have a reason to go over there, you don't. So it's like, we don't see anything over here. It's entirely safe. Everything except like a four block radius that you see images of in, you know, on cable news and in uh, newspapers and stuff. It's a very small area. The rest of the city is just going about their business. That's good. So you're living in Portland. We met back in college in the journalism program. And we were hanging out a while and, um, it's pretty cool. We actually ended up being roommates and, uh, it turned out that our dads were roommates back in the day too, in the pandemonium house that was, uh, brought to the attention from my, my dad's podcast that we did together a couple months ago, which is yeah. crazy to think about, right? Like we had no idea and sitting in class one day or 
in the computer lab or something realized that we had that connection. But we didn't know that our dads actually lived together until we moved to Kenai, about three hours south of Anchorage, and actually lived together. It's, it's kind of crazy to think about. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think it shows what a small community Alaska really can be, especially for our dads growing up in Anchorage in the 60s, I assume it was, because that's when my dad was younger and lived there. His father moved there for the military. Um, it was much smaller back then. I don't think it went much past Bernard, yep. if you can believe that. Right. So I guess it's not that surprising that they knew each other if they were both there at the time. It's just surprising that our lives, we connected at some point and it was like, oh, our fathers were roommates and now we're roommates. What are, what are the odds of that? Probably pretty good if you think about <laughs> Anchorage, but it's still crazy. You know, our lives could have took different paths. Um, I actually was going to ask where the pandemonium house was. Do you know where it was? I don't know exactly where it was. I think it was um, Nunaka Valley sticks out to me, but maybe that's where my dad ended up living after that when he got back from the Navy. Um, I see. We definitely need to ask them because a friend of mine who actually lives next door, who's my next door neighbor, my buddy Todd from Anchorage, he lived in this house in Spinard that's been there for a long time. Um, it's kind of like a makeshift house because, you know, there were no like housing codes back then, but um, him and his buddies room there together and we call it the trap because it was just a house of debauchery and it could be the same house. It very well could be. We should, uh, yeah. we should investigate that a little bit, put our journalism skills to work a little bit there. Yeah. <laughs> I, need to, I thought maybe you knew I need to find that out for sure though. No, I, I owe him a phone call anyway, so I'll, uh. I'll check in on that for you. Yeah, definitely. It was uh, his buddy who lived there. His name's Carter Marvin, I think is his full name. And his family built the house and they've been Alaska for a long time. So it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it totally would. I wouldn't be surprised if it is the same. Yeah. Have you noticed that if a house has a name attached to it, some shit went down in that house? Mm -hmm. Like, um, It did something to earn that nickname. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There were, there were a few houses like that that I knew, um, both in Anchorage and then when I lived in Reno for a little bit, but nothing like the pandemonium house. Like once, if you have a name like that for a house, you know, some shit went down in that house. Yeah. Pandemonium is a pretty strong word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And knowing my father and listening to your father talk about some of his stuff. Like that makes sense. Yep. <laughs> total, total sense. It was a musician hangout of the day. It sounded like. Yeah. I don't know if your dad mentioned this and I'm not like bragging or anything, but it made sense to me because my dad was in a band. It was called G Morgan S and the Jets. His name is Eugene Morgan Shedlock. And I have his uh, record actually. And it was supposedly the first uh, record printed in Anchorage and that fact is like on you know those deck of cards you can buy with Alaska facts yeah like that's on there so that's my dad's one claim to fame like <laughs> dude that's awesome do you yeah, have do you yeah, have a deck of cards he has like a that? song that goes do the Morgan have yourself a time <laughs> 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 yes you need to find a way to rip that down and um we need to get that on Spotify immediately. Yeah, for sure. Like a lot of my stuff, 
uh, it's still in Anchorage. I pretty much left all of my belongings there when I moved to Portland because the best option for me was just flying down here with like two suitcases. So I pretty much left all of my belongings behind and reaccumulated all the bullshit in my life. Yep. That's the way to do it. I think when I, when I moved down to Nebraska, I packed all the shit that I could in my car and the rest just kind of worked itself out. I don't think my car would have made it here, which is why I chose to fly. Do you even need a car living in Portland right now? I do personally, because the newspaper I work at is in Vancouver. Hmm. So I have to drive north over the river, the Columbia River, the river that separates Washington and Oregon. Vancouver is essentially a suburb of Portland. People that live there will get mad if you said that, but it's true because the majority of people who live there come to work in Portland during the day. Makes so sense. while everyone's coming south, I'm going north. So it's not that bad. I don't know if I've ever asked you this, but what brought you into journalism in the first place? Well, I've been asked that question before and I've like boiled it down to like two sentences. Basically, uh, growing up, I was told I was a good writer, that I wrote good. um i went to college not knowing what to do i don't think i had a major for like three and a half years that i was going to uaa and it kind of came to a choice of like well people still tell me i'm an adequate writer i guess i'm okay at it i don't want to be a teacher because my mom was a teacher and um my stepfather was a teacher and they worked really hard they worked when they got home every night I heard stories about, uh, you know, little shits giving them crap all the time every day, which is totally understandable because I was one of those kids. So they never really appealed to me. Um, not that I don't commend them for their career choice. I think uh, it's commendable to work in education. I just never thought it was for me. So journalism seemed more employable. So then I got into the journalism program and liked the opportunities that it presented maybe not for like financial reasons because even when we were in college they would all tell us that doom and gloom and i think it's gotten worse since then but just the fact that you get to experience unique things and meet new people all the time yeah that was kind of my kind of similar to my story too my first year at uaa i was a business major because my dad owned a business and i figured hey i'll just go into business and see what i can do with that Mm-hmm. Well, then I realized that I had to take accounting and uh, that didn't that didn't last very long. Um, so then when I transferred to <laughs> Reno my sophomore year, my roommate, Brittany, was a journalism major. And I was like, oh, well, I like to write and I like sports. So I'm just going to go ahead and try this out. And I, I really liked it because one of the things that you said, you get to meet people from all sorts of walks of life every single day. And every day is completely different. Not only that, but you get to learn about new stuff every day too. So you, as a journalist, you get to learn a little bit about a lot of things. You have to be competent enough to be able to write about it for your readers to understand what the hell is going on. Being in the journalism program there, I felt like we had a lot of really good opportunities to work in the field and get some internship experience before we hit the job market. Yeah, definitely. I think the program at UAA is pretty good considering it's UAA, you know, not saying it's a bad college, but our, some of our professors at least cared about the education we were getting and pushed us to do things like try and freelance for 
magazines or work for the student paper or take an internship. I took an internship at APR and the NPR affiliate. And that was really eye-opening to see older journalists who have been doing it for a long time and the funny things they told you. And, you know, I was probably still uh, trying to balance partying and school and work a lot more back then. And I remember I came in hungover one day to the internship and one of the reporters told me, you better get used to it. You know, just tough it out. Well, in college, Thirsty Thursday was pretty much our thing. We'd uh, <laughs> go down to the bar after class on Thursday and just start going after it. Well, our budget meetings for the school newspaper were on Friday mornings, and it was just rough, just rough for yeah. me on a lot of occasions. And um, kind of the same thing, like, hey, if you're going to be a journalist, you're going to need to learn how to get your shit together because you're going to want to drink a lot. And I don't know why, I guess maybe that was another reason why I was drawn to the profession too, is just because it fit what I was doing at that time, looking for, looking for drinks and just kind of worked out that way. Yeah. Journalism has a weird mix of people like that. Certainly not everybody has the same experience or or people who don't drink at all, but um, it has an eccentric mix of people and personalities. And that's kind of what makes it interesting too, is not everyone not a lot of reporters are the same. We all share the similar passion, but we're different people. Mm-hmm. So we have that common connection, but yet our own interests. Yeah, for sure. We both graduated from UA. Uh, I think it was the same year, or maybe you were a year behind me. I can't remember exactly. Those years were kind of fuzzy. Uh, uh-huh, I can't remember. It. <laughs> it, was, it was around the same time. I remember you were already working at the Peninsula Clarion in Kenai and I applied and came down there. So you must have graduated a semester or so before me. I did. I graduated in December, but it took me that long. I don't think I got the job at the Clarion until May. So I moved down there Mm -hmm. in May. And then pretty soon after that, you moved down, which was, it worked out amazingly. My parents ended up purchasing this townhome because literally in Kenai, there were no nice apartments to rent for a reasonable price. Like I wouldn't have been able to afford it on a reporter's salary, but they lucked into this townhome that um, being able to share the rent and everything, it worked out pretty well for us. And that house kind of became the the wayward home for displaced journalists as uh, one of our colleagues would like to like to say it. And that was just kind of cool. It was it was like being in college again. Those times were a lot of fun. Yeah, they were. There was a lot of learning going on and uh, embedding ourselves in a new community. And the Kenai Peninsula can be pretty weird in terms of its culture and its people. Very nice people. Uh, not a lot to do, so you need to make your own entertainment. But once you figure out how to do that, there's tons to do. We lived across the street from that baseball field for the Oilers. That was great. Right behind that was the golf course. You know, so we could go hit some balls. We had tennis courts, basketball courts right by us, the river right by us. There were tons of things to do. Um, But yeah, going back to that house, I don't think I would have survived without your help. So thank you very much for that. Because like you said, Kenai or the Kenai Peninsula in general uh, was and I think still is one of the cheapest places to live in Alaska for rent, supposedly, which is I don't believe it to think about because it's still super expensive. Yeah. So, you know, they were paying us peanuts at the Peninsula Clarion. I don't remember exactly what I was making, but I know it was 12 something. Yep. I remember it was, I think I was around 12, 1250 or so an hour. Um, Bunch of bullshit. Yeah, it was. But for us, we were like, well, shit, 
this is a first job out of college. I should probably take it and learn a little bit. Right. Uh, I got to cover the city council. I got to cover education, a little bit of sports. And yeah, in between when we weren't at work, we were usually either at the bar playing disc golf or doing something, going to a baseball game or something, just having, finding a way to have fun. And we, you're right. We got about the disc golf course right behind our duplex too. Yeah. We spent quite a bit of time there. We just take our growlers of beer and just kind of roam around and nobody said anything. Nobody cared. We just kind of did our own thing and walked back and forth and can't ask for much more than that. Yeah. I think it's a good place to live. I shit on it a lot when I was younger, just because it's a small town and I wasn't used to it. And it seemed like there wasn't a lot to do, but I look back on it very fondly and I could see myself living there or in a place like that when I get older, you know, more peaceful, more quiet. Um, Not right at this point in my life. I think I moved to Portland because I wanted to live in a city, but Kenai was dope. Yeah. You know, I look at it differently now. Yeah, for sure. Me too. I, I have a good appreciation for it now. I, I think I was in a hurry to leave. Number one, because I wasn't getting fulfilled from the job there towards the end. You know, you feel like you write one or two stories a day. You go in, clock in, you go home, and that's about it. There's no there's no real tight connection there to the community. And I think that's one of the reasons why I was so drawn to the job down here that I ended up taking was because I was pretty much in charge of all of the content for this newspaper for a town of about 2000 people. And from the outside looking in, it's like, Oh, well that doesn't seem like that's a lot of work, but you're covering everything. You know, you're covering the school board, the city council, the sports, um, you know, Aunt Linda turns a hundred, you're going to her birthday party and taking some pictures, which, you know, that's pretty cool. It feels like you are a part of the community. And I think that was one of the big reasons why I wanted to move down here. Um, I was going to ask you, uh, what was the draw to Portland and the job in, in Vancouver for you after you left the Clarion, you worked in Anchorage a little bit and then made your way down. So what was that change like for you? Well, just to touch on what you were saying about the Clarion first, I agree with you in that you really get to know people there, but after a year or so at a small paper like that, it starts to feel like Groundhog's Day because mm-hmm. you cover the same things. You start to cover the same things after a year. It's like, oh, this parade is happening again. Oh, graduation is happening again. Let's do this all over, which I suppose is good practice for doing those stories and learning how to do them better. But after a while, you're like, I get it. I need to move on, which is what I did. You know, when I left Kenai, I was thinking about leaving Alaska at that time, too. But I just happened to get a job at the Alaska Dispatch. So it worked out that I moved back there. Moved down here, um, you know, was more I was kind of forced to do it because uh, Alaska Dispatch News, which is now Anchorage Daily News again, um, (laughs) went bankrupt and a lot of people got laid off. And at that time, I thought to myself, I'm either going to leave Alaska now or probably stay here for the rest of my life. And I had it in my mind that I wanted to leave and experience new things ever since I was a child. Even I wanted to be in Portland because I knew people here. There are a lot of Alaskans here. I thought that would make the transition easier. um, Knowing people, I was willing to move anywhere really to have that experience. I applied for a paper in Wyoming, which is, you know, I think as a, smaller population than Alaska. I applied for a paper in Salt Lake City. I applied for a paper on the East Coast. I applied for one in California. But here's where I wanted to be, and that's ultimately what happens. 
when I got hired by the Columbian, which is probably about the size of Bankers Daily News in terms of staff and circulation. Uh, Clark County has over half a million people. So wow. almost the population of Alaska, but within the space of the municipality of Anchorage, if you're talking from like Eagle River to Girdwood. So a lot more densely populated, but I also had friends down here to help me. Like when I moved down here, I slept in the apartment next door on my friend's couch for a few months until I figured out what to do because he was willing to do that for me. It just made the most sense and everything fell into place. I didn't know I would end up here. It's where I wanted to be. It's just what happened. It's like the stars aligned. After my ass got canned, I didn't know what to do. And then some good fortune came from it. So, Isn't it cool sometimes how things line up exactly the way that they need to at any given time? Yeah, it makes me think the universe is all right sometimes. Yeah, it gives me hope too. That was the same thing like for me moving down here. My cousin's wife sent me the job here in, in Seward and I was like, oh, that's exactly what I want to be doing. My parents, uh, well, my mom's family lives in Lincoln, which is 20 minutes away. Let's give it a shot, see what kind of trouble I can get into. And they wanted to hire me within a week. So I was like, okay, well, <laughs> shit's getting real now and we'll see, we'll see how it goes. Um, Did you start within a week? Did you like leave and no, start? No, but by from the time that I applied for the job and the time that they hired me or offered me the job, it was about a week. I didn't get to meet them beforehand or anything. All our interviews were done over the computer. So yeah, they were, they were completely taking a chance on me, which is kind of cool in a way. Like I felt like I was being called down here in a, in a strange yeah. way. Same. I, w- I would say the same thing happened to me. And, you know, all my interviews took place over the phone. I didn't even know what anyone looked like. They didn't know what I looked like. If they didn't Facebook me, I'm sure some of the reporters did because they're reporters, but <laughs> I just took a chance. I remember that they told me or asked me to start in a week. And I was like, no, I live in Alaska. Like, what are you talking about? Give me a month. And luckily they said yes. So I spent two weeks in Anchorage telling everybody I was leaving, figuring out what to do sold my car, sold everything I could. In fact, uh, a funny story is I sold a gun that I bought when I was living in Kenai. You know, I never thought I would be a firearm owner, but uh, that's what people do in Kenai when they're bored is they go and shoot shit up. (laughs) And I did that when I was living down there and I moved back to Anchorage and the thing just stayed in my closet for three years. I didn't touch it again. (laughs) And I went to sell it and I sold it in this like, crummy little pawn shop across the street from the mall at Sears. Pretty sure the shop owner was drunk, was ranting at people that were coming in. He gave me my money. I like ran out of there (laughs) and he like came out the door. He's like, you forgot your receipt. I was like, I don't need it. Just Just give my money and get me the hell out of here. Yeah. Take my gun. (laughs) Take my unregistered gun that I bought out of the trunk of a car from an employee at Peninsula Clarion. (laughs) I'll never forget the days at the Clarion though. I mean, that felt like really for, for a kid just graduating from college, having your first job at that place, I couldn't ask for anything better. Our editor was great. We had a great staff. Um, we all, we all hung out quite a bit cause we were all about the same age, fresh out of school. Yeah, man, it, it was, it was cool. I felt better prepared for my next job because of our experiences in Kenai. Um, I think so too. I wouldn't have thought that that way at the time but uh, it did 
give me experience for how brutal and uh, hardworking you have to be in journalism, uh, even, you know, making no money. You appreciated what you did. And I think the people we work with appreciate what we did too. And like you were saying, everybody working there, nobody's from Alaska. Yeah. So they're all in the same position. We all share the same experience. We all go to the back door. <laughs> yeah. And have one. It's cool to see how everybody has grown since those days and just kind of got out. That was almost what, eight or nine years ago at this point. Yeah. So we're we're all kind of grown up. To think about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so when you moved to Portland, you knew a little bit about it already, but was there something that really surprised you when you got settled down there that you maybe weren't aware of or weren't thinking about? The livability. I live in a neighborhood where I can walk down the street to the corner store or the pizza place or 10 bars that are close by. I don't really have to leave the neighborhood if I don't want to, but there's so much to explore if I do in the city. There's still countless things I haven't done and still want to do, but the pandemic has kind of put the kibosh on that. And the same goes for states of Oregon and Washington. You know, I'm kind of straddling that line living here and working in Washington. So I have two states to learn about and explore. And the possibilities kind of seem endless, which is interesting to think about because Alaska is so vast and but we know it so well because there's like two roads that go out of Anchorage, north and south. Right. You can only go two ways. Here you can go a hundred different ways to tons of different national parks and attractions and cities and communities and the opportunities for stuff to do and just learn from those experiences. Are um, there's a lot more of them than there are in Alaska? I think so. You know, maybe I didn't take full advantage. When I was living in Alaska, now that I look back at it, I was kind of just stuck in the city. I was kind of a city boy. As I got older, I learned to appreciate everything that was in the state much more. And I love Alaska and it'll always be my home. But um, down here, it's just a different place. People live differently Mm -hmm. than they do in Alaska. And that's part of what I think makes Alaska unique. But I like it here too, because of that livability that I was talking about. Another thing I didn't realize was uh people's personalities down here i would say the majority of people that i become friends with are transplants as well there's a ton of us here people who grew up here are harder to connect with i would say because there is this um idea that people in the pacific northwest are passive aggressive and they kind of joke about it but it's true you know their personalities are kind of off-putting i don't think they mean to be mean it's just how everyone is down here I think it was about a year ago that an article came out where they asked people that lived here if they were interested in meeting new people or um, getting new friends and something like 70% of the residents said no, which I found (laughs) very surprising because the reason I moved here is to open myself up to those things. And I have met a lot of people that are open to them, but I would say they're not from here. They're probably people that came here seeking the same thing. They have a real strong identity down here. I've had a hard time figuring out what it is. I've read some books, made some (laughs) observations, but they're uh, very prideful of their endurance of the rainy season or their winter, Mm. which I just find funny as an Alaskan. (laughs) Like, oh, yay, good for you. You can endure some rain. Congratulations. You can get get wet for a little bit. Good job. (laughs) Try 28 Alaska winners. And they're really into college sports. And they're really into the outdoors. With the outdoors, it's a bit different down here because you go to camp and there's 
tons of people camping everywhere, at least from an Alaskan's perspective, everywhere is crowded. Yeah. You got to wait for everything. You got to plan things in advance because if you don't, you're not going to get a spot. There's right. just the population down here is way larger. It's densely populated. Everybody is wanting to do these things. So that's something I still kind of have to think about if I want to go camping or go to the mountain. I can snowboard here, which is cool. Nice. Um, the cheapest option is getting a spring pass at Meadows, which is probably the size of Alieska, but a bit more mellow slopes. A lot of options in the um, terrain, though. And that's one of three places you can go on Mount Hood. Dang. The problem is when you get off work or on the weekend, there's thousands of people going up there. So it'll take you two hours to get up there and three hours to get home. And that kind of makes it less worth it. In the springtime, there's less people. It's warmer. So that's what I did the previous winter. But then the pandemic hit, so I didn't get to do it this this year. And I also injured myself like a fool the previous winter, thinking I was still 20-something years old and could... (laughs) uh, do the terrain park and injured my knee (laughs) oh shit we are getting old we definitely can't do a lot of the things that we used to be able to do that's for sure man i i feel it all the time like sarah and i'll play tennis or i'll play softball or something i get done and i'm like damn i am old i can feel it yep i wish i love naps (laughs) um but i got stuff to do yep i gotta do taxes that's right (laughs) um so you talked about kind of exploring a lot of the places down there. Um, does it seem like it's kind of overwhelming though? Like you don't know where to start because you have so much to explore. Is it hard to kind of pick what you want to do? Yeah, it can be. And it seems like some of the things that seem the most appealing you can do because of that thing I was talking about, the best things everyone wants to do. So you have to pick the second or the third option right. um, a lot of the time. But the fact that there are so many options makes it better. That makes sense. And to your point about the transplants, I literally just had this conversation with my buddy Tyler on the on last week's episode. When I take a step back and I think about the people who I hang out with the most here, they didn't grow up in Seward. So it's it's kind of the same deal where I don't know if it's intentional or not, but And I think it's also the people who Sarah comes in contact with at the middle school. A lot of the teachers that she teaches with are not necessarily from Seward either. So it's, it's easy to make those connections and to build those new relationships because they're open to it too, which is kind of neat. You know, when you have a profession, like a teacher, you meet like people and you bond over those things. And if they aren't from the area, you're going to bond on that as well. I also think adult relationships are hard and take effort. You know, if you want to make new friends, you have to actually try at it when you get older. It's because people aren't looking for things like that. They have those friend groups and their families, especially if they're established in the place. I guess the difference between me and them is I chose to move away and try and make a new social circle for myself. And you have these old friends, right, that you're going to be friends with forever that you uh, talk shit to and probably treat poorly sometimes, lovingly. And that's never going to change because, you know, if you really need them, they'll be there for you. It's hard to have that connection with someone new. You can't joke about someone's choices or their attire or just tease them the same way you can with your good friends until you're friends with them. Some people don't want that. And that's totally understandable. And the effort part of it for making new friends is something a lot of people don't want to do, I think. They're stuck in their routine. 
and they don't they don't want to diverge from that. Plus, I found you know being in a small town like this, if you don't have kids, <laughs> you you know you're at a huge disadvantage because a lot of a lot of my friends do have kids, so it's tough to spend time with them, which is totally understandable. You know, Sarah and I are busy too; they're busy. But I feel like we're all of a like mind. Tyler and I talked about this on the last episode. The energy that you put out into the universe, that's what you're going to get back, right? So if you're out there looking for those types of people, you're going, you're going to find them no matter what. Yeah, I suppose it uh, comes down to what group you want to associate with or be a part of. I think in Portland, there is a lot of uh, adults that are probably acting younger than their ages. So it's easy for me as someone who doesn't have a child yet and is still trying to figure things out. And I think personally for myself, I'm always going to be like that kind of trying to figure things out so I can find like-minded people, at least who understand me, if nothing else. Well, at least you found one person who seems to understand you, yes. a partner in crime. Yeah. How did that, how did that all happen? I mean, you're, you're in a new city. Tinder. Tinder. Hey. So, it's, so Tinder is not just for uh, one night stands? No, I personally don't think it is. I've never been a person, you know, that's never been my M.O., I can't bring myself to do that or I don't have the desire to. It was more of just wanting to meet new people and seeing what happened and putting myself in weird situations. I was willing to do that. Even outside of Tinder, I would just go out and try and meet new people and um, be open to things. You know, it put me in a lot of weird situations, but they make for funny stories at the end of the day. So I did, I don't regret doing any of them yeah where like some of the things I had to endure when I was doing that horrible yes but you know I I met a wonderful lady because of it and now we've almost been together for two years and she's a transplant too so we're experiencing the same things and trying to figure it out so it all worked out and I don't think that's that uncommon my older brother met his girlfriend through tender Hmm. my neighbor met his girlfriend through tender so huh that's awesome. It's an option for people who don't think it's a realistic thing. It actually is. We live on the internet. Yeah, so. that's true. I mean, Sarah and I met on the internet. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, it's just a way that to bring people together. And I think people of our generation don't see that. There used to be that stigma or a stigma attached to that, but I don't think that's there anymore just because it's so part of, it's so much part of our daily lives that, you know, we do everything through our phones and through the internet. Why, why not meet somebody new and build a life together? You know? Right. It's an extension of ourselves at this point, regardless of whether or not you want it to be. By putting yourself out there and having those uncomfortable situations, that's like the best way to grow as a person too, because you, if you stick to your status quo the whole time, you're never going to know what's on the other side. So what was that um, mindset for you? Was that just, you knew that you had to do that in order to kind of find your community there? Or was that just something that has always been inside of you? I think I've kind of always been like that, willing to put myself in weird situations and to see where the night goes. Cause like I mentioned from a young age, I wanted to leave Alaska and experience new things. Before I left Alaska, when I was working at ADN, I traveled quite a bit. I went to Chile, Mm -hmm. where um, our other college friend, Josh Tucker, now lives. And I went to Korea twice. Um, And those were scary experiences, you know, when you don't know anything about the culture or the people. They certainly helped a lot. But I like 
that feeling of being uncomfortable sometimes. Not all the time, certainly. I like to just chill and play video games and watch movies too, but you have to open yourself to those experiences. So I came into it with that mindset. You know, when I left Alaska, that was the whole idea. And I, as I've gotten older, I've been more willing to do that. My mind is kind of open up to why not, you know, you can't. I could have stayed in Alaska my whole life if I wanted to, but right. um, I made a decision a long time ago uh, that that's not what I wanted. So you got to put yourself in those weird situations. And having my friends down here helped too, especially, you know, I'm talking all this stuff like it's not a problem for me, but it is, you know, I can be an introvert. And I had a friend down here uh, who's one of my childhood friends was my friend since I was in second grade. And um, he's very, he's an interesting fellow. And um, he would always invite me out even when I didn't want to. I knew it would always be a trip when I went out with him too. I'd be like, what are we getting into? He'd be like, I got a show going on. He played a cajon. You know what a cajon is? No, I don't. It's those boxes, it's those boxes you sit on. It's like a substitute for drums. They just bang on the box for okay. the rhythm instead of having a drum set. So he'd be like, oh, I have this show at a bodega in the suburb of Portland, <laughs> whatever, you know. Oh, there's this house party for this person I just met at the bar 20 minutes ago. He was the type of person who could make friends with anyone in a minute if they wanted to be. So um, I knew I was gonna experience something interesting whenever I was going out with him. So that certainly helped when I first moved here to get me out more than I probably would on myself. So it's not, it's not just me doing it. I can't get myself entire credit for being outgoing and wanting to um, expose myself. But you still said yes. I mean, you could have just said, nah, I'm going to, I'm going to stay home tonight. I mean, I'm sure you did a few times, but you, you still have to be open to having those experiences and having those adventures. And even though you knew that you were, you didn't know exactly what you were going to get into, but it was going to make for a good story. Right. I never knew what I was getting into, but I was, it was cool. I enjoyed it. I, you know, Saw a lot of places I wouldn't have seen without a suggestion. Um, saw a lot of parts of the city I wouldn't have gone to without him uh, meandering there himself. So you talked about the livability was one of the things that drew you to Portland. And as you've gotten settled, you really like being able to walk um, around the neighborhood, not really having to leave um, to, to get things and to go do things. Um, what's the cost of living like? The cost of living for housing is horrible. When I was referring to livability, I was more talking about being able to take public transportation, the opportunity for things to do before the pandemic hit. We would go to a show every couple of weeks, you know, major acts come here. I saw, man, who have we seen? I saw Tool, which is embarrassing. I saw, <laughs> I saw Queens of the Stone Age. Nice. I saw uh, Jack White. I saw uh, the OCs. I don't know if you know who the OCs uh, are. They're one of my favorite bands now. They've come here twice. King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. Check them <laughs> out, guys. Um, just countless shows. Um, and my neighbor who lives above me actually worked at one of the more famous venues in town called the Crystal Ballroom. It's this like 100-year-old building that's a ballroom with the crystal chandelier. They built it on rollers so the floor bounces when people are in it. And it's one of the larger independent venues in town owned by McMinimins, which is like a Pacific Northwest staple. They take these old buildings and turn them into bars, places you go to relax, venues, stuff like that. Uh, but in terms of cost of living, uh, it's horrible. People are being pushed out. 
because of gentrification, which I'm sure has been happening before I even came here. The neighborhood we live in is probably considered pretty expensive. We just happen to live in an older apartment building that has been here for forever. So uh, we pay cheaper rent. If I had to buy one of these McMansion apartments that are being built up around the neighborhood we live in, we would probably pay double what we pay in rent now and it'd be a lot harder to live here. So I really lucked out in that aspect too. Since I've lived here in the neighborhood, I've seen a lot of older buildings get torn down and new things go up. I don't live that far from the river. And I think there's five, six or seven new big apartment buildings that are being built by the river because it is a very desirable place to live. And people are moving here for the jobs. It's kind of becoming a technology hub. You know, people are moving here for IT jobs, startups, stuff like that. So, um, you know, jobs with more money, yeah. uh, larger yeah. salaries. Um, so I am lucky in that aspect. Yes, there are tons of things to do, but I lucked out in the sense that I don't have to pay that much in rent. I think if the if someone was to move here and didn't have the help I had, it would be a lot harder. Unless yeah. you want to live in a house with three people you don't know, which I suppose a lot of people do. Yeah. I mean, places like that, Portland, San Francisco, you know, your larger hubs, it, it feels like it's getting harder and harder for people our age to move in there unless they're making a shit ton of money. Um, yeah. So it's cool that you've been able to kind of break in and, and get your, get your apartment and do what you need to do. Yeah. Again, going back to that thing, it just seemed like everything aligned for me to live here. I think something like 30,000 people moved here last year. Wow. I'm sure that slowed down now, but I wasn't the only one with this idea. Do you see yourself living in Portland for a while then putting down some roots? Um, what's, what's the future hold for you? That's a tough question. I like it here. I like the things I've experienced here and learned here. I like that. I have a friend that lives next door. I have other friends that live here. The pandemic has kind of put things in perspective or made me refocus what's important to me because I did move here to uh, meet new people, experience new things. But now that I can't really do that, I have to think about what else is important to me. I've always wanted to move on to this wasn't like the last stop for me. I didn't want to just move out of Alaska and stop wherever I had gone to. Uh, Taylor and I are probably going to move at some point. We're thinking of Atlanta. It's closer to her home. It's a city. She'll be around her family and her friends and we'll be in a cool city. And, you know, I'm more than willing to move to Atlanta. That seems appealing to me. I mean, move anywhere, really. So no, it's not the last place. Atlanta would be a really cool town to, to visit. Otherwise, I was going to suggest, you know, that there's a lot of houses being built here in Seward and the cost of living is pretty cheap. Yeah, you've told me. <laughs> <laughs> you talked about the situation kind of helping you put things in perspective and what's important to you. What are some of the things that you're finding out about yourself? I guess what's more important to me, I would like to continue to experience new things and see different places in the country, um, experience their cultures and try and understand the people. I think what I'm learning most about myself is I want to continue to help people. So Whatever that means, if I continue journalism or find a way to fulfill that need, that's probably my next goal. Because I think, you know, with everything going on, without getting 
too into it is that everybody needs to help out everyone else a little bit more because if no one's willing to do that, then we're just going to continue to fight amongst each other and have these problems and continue into uh, turmoil when we could be have a more uh, collective mindset of coming together. And I think I can do that anywhere, really. Coming from Alaska, you kind of have that built in, knowing your groups and knowing who you can help and what you want to do. When you come to a place where you don't know anyone, you have to inject yourself. And that's really what I would like to do is just um, help someone out because it's hard out here. And I think coming from Alaska, we both kind of have that innate desire to help others because that's what Alaskans do, right? They, they help out yeah. their neighbor. Uh, I found that out a lot here in, in the Midwest that it's kind of the same mentality that if your neighbors have an issue, they can rely on you to come help. Um, so when we have these things going on in our country and we see some of our populations not getting the attention they need, not getting the resources they need or, you know, what have you, it really makes you feel like, okay, how do I, how can I help this? How, what can I do as one person? What, what contribution can I make to make this world better? I would agree. And you have to, I think that's a personal choice that people make if they want that for themselves or not. You get these groups that you associate with throughout your life. And at times it seems like that's enough. You know, I feel like it's too much to think about people beyond my neighborhood sometimes. Like I care about my neighborhood. Maybe I should focus on that first and whatnot. But you can really branch out and try and help people as much as you can. And I want to continue to do that. You know, something that Taylor says is the South gets a bad rap because there's just these stereotypes about it. But I traveled there with her and um, experienced everyone who lives there for a week. And you can do this really anywhere you want to. You just have to make an effort. Um, there are good people left everywhere trying to make a difference. Absolutely. You just have to be open-minded enough to it. And I think right. you, you hit on it earlier. There are enough people out there who aren't open-minded enough to have those conversations and to listen and to have that mentality. So we need more people like that. Well, it's just so easy in difficult times to um, focus on the things that are going wrong and yeah. protecting yourself when we should be thinking of other people. Completely agree. Well, hey, man, we've been talking for a while now. We've covered a lot of ground. Is there anything else top of mind that you think we should touch on tonight or saving some content for the next one? I know we got a few topics for the next one lined up, but uh, is there anything else that we should touch on tonight? I'm going to find out about that house because that'd be crazy. Yeah, it would. Just be like another connection down through the years that somehow things happened in a way where we meant and this house is the same, and it would just seem like it was meant to be. Not that it wasn't already. I'll do some investigating, and uh, I'll need to get some more information from you and uh, make sure I have my facts straight before I go to the before I go to Poncho and figure that out. Yeah, I got. Um, I'll ask. I've been asking Todd what the address is. I got to find out the street, but I'll definitely find out for you. Deal. We can share what we find on the next one. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Well, hey, Jersey man, thanks again for spending some time with me today. I really appreciate it. I'm glad we got to do this and relive some old memories and uh, look forward to some new ones. Yeah, me too.